All right, let's start with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam, Om Namo Sitanam, Om Namo Ayariyanam, Om Namo Uvachayanam, Namo Luesavasahunam, Eso Panchanamo Karo, Savapavapanasano, Mangalalancha Savasim, Paramam Have Mangalam, Paramam Have Mangalam. Thank you, everybody, for joining me this week. <clears throat> this week, we're going to talk about deceit. You'll remember that deceit is one of the four passions, which are anger, ego, deceit, and greed. And these are our enemies over which we're trying to achieve victory. And we can do it in this life. We can get rid of all of our anger, all of our ego, all of our deceit, and all of our greed. In this life, even as old as we are, we can do it. Um, we previously have done a deep dive into anger and ego. So naturally, we're going to do a deep dive into deceit next. So anger, eager, deceit, and greed are krodh, man, maya, and lob. And deceit is maya. Maya means to deceive, cheat, or mislead. And the opposite of Maya, that is the weapon that we're going to use in our battle with Maya is sarlata or straightforwardness. Straightforwardness is one who has unity of thinking, speaking, and deeds. Remember, we talked about that extensively last week. That's congruency. If you are a congruent person, you are a straightforward person. So this week, we're going to look at this, these concepts from many different ways and use many different adjectives um, because people have described these concepts in many different ways. So deceit means falsehood, cheating, dishonesty, trickery, corruption, bribery, and crookedness. That's what the book defines as deceit, whereas straightforwardness means if you're straightforward, you're candid, forthright, sincere, straight, or frank. Those are some of the words used to describe straightforwardness. Straightforwardness is the virtue we sometimes refer to as simplicity. And that's right, because a deceitful person has a very complicated life. And a deceitful person will always trying to be remembering his lies and trying to order them and we'll have to remember who he lied to who about what. And so this takes up resources in the brain that could be better devoted to other things. Uh, deceitful people uh, create situations of deception around them that will eventually entrap them. That's how the book described that idea. If you're deceitful, you'll lose the respect from your friends, family members, and from society. You won't succeed in your professional, social, or spiritual life. And a person who is deceitful is always fearful, restless, and lacking in peace of mind. That's one of the reasons why we should avoid deceit. Another main reason is that deceitful acts, thoughts, and speech attract more karma. And those karma create a further bond that binds to your soul. And remember, the point of the game is to eliminate all the karma from your soul. And that's right, because if you're caught in a lie, then you might say more lies. 
But in addition to that, you might become angry. And then you might use that anger as a justification for violence. So deceitful behavior can cause all the other three passions. So what did Bhagavan Mahavir have to say about it? He said, straightforwardness purifies body, mind, and speech. And that true religion resides only in the hearts of straightforward people. So he takes that concept of deceit will interfere with your spirituality. And he extends it to say, if you're deceitful, that you don't have religion in your heart, that you're not practicing religion. You, there's no way you can do that because when you're deceitful, all of your uh, thoughts, speech, and action are misdirected somewhere else. And you cannot concentrate on your spirituality and there'll be no room for spirituality in your life. Okay, we have a few people joining us. Great. To those people who just joined us, thank you. We're talking about deceit today. We're going to do a deep dive into deceit. And remember that straightforwardness is one of the intrinsic qualities of your soul. And when you are deceitful, you're covering up that intrinsic quality, which is causing you to become less happy because your soul is being corrupted. Um, that is, the life of a straightforward person becomes natural, fearless, worry-free, devout, peaceful, and therefore righteous. We're going to use a lot of adjectives today because people have come at this concept from different ways. Straightforward people succeed in their professional, academic, emotional, and spiritual life. So how do we develop straightforwardness? How do we develop this straightforward life, which is our weapon against deceit, which is one of the four passions we're trying to beat? We should be aware, we should be congruent. We already talked about that. We should be aware that greed is the root cause of deceitful behavior. That is, the deceitful approach may have short-term material gain, but in the end, it is a losing game. So how is that possible? How is greed the root cause of deceitful behavior? Well, let's look at most of the reasons people would want to lie. People would want to lie because of their self-interest and because they want to appear better in front of other people's eyes or they want to um, cheat people of their money or they want to not lose their own money. And that's why we, th that's why we understand that greed is the root cause of deceitful behavior. And just like when we talked about social media earlier, and we talked about social media is the highlights of everyone's life. Um, this presentation of outward success towards other people is one of the reasons for our deceit. That is, we want to appear better than we really are to other people. And that's one of the primary reasons, I think, in this day and age that we want to be deceived. Another uh, way to develop straightforwardness is to understand that nobody likes deceitful people and uh, everybody likes people that are trustworthy. Another way is that you accept when you make a mistake, you don't spread rumors, you don't blame other people, you don't tell your secrets to other people, you don't lie and you don't hurt other people's feelings. 
That's another way to practice straightforwardness. And another way to practice straightforwardness is that you're aware of what we talked about, this compounding cycle of kashayas. That is, when you do one kashaya, in order to maintain it, you might have to do many, many other kashayas, and that includes uh, violence in some cases. So those are the ways we can develop straightforwardness in our life. So questions about that. It's going to get more complicated. All of that was fairly easy, I think, and fairly non-controversial. So, but we needed to start with a good base and a good foundation for what is deceit and what is straightforwardness. So any questions or comments on that? Okay, I have a question for you. How do we teach our children not to lie? One of my children has just discovered lying. And she thinks it's like some kind of superpower to get what she wants because we trust her. I want to trust her. She's my child. I don't want to be constantly second guessing her. If she says she did something, you know, and these are pretty small. If she says she brushed her teeth, I want to believe her. So I do believe her until I find out that she hasn't and she just discovered lying, right? Because she thinks it's kind of a superpower because she only sees the short-term gains. Of course, the blind spot for kids is that they don't see any long-term gains or what the long-term implications of any actions are, right? So how do we teach our children not to lie when it's so hard for them to understand? I think that a lot of people here might have experience with that. All right, I'll take a crack at this. Um, I don't know if I've been successful in trying to teach them versus show them that uh, consequences. Um, I guess consequences have been small right now, so they continue doing it and hoping it'll uh, they'll get away with it. But um, I've not. I guess to your you know to teach them so that they don't do it again has been very difficult. Um, right. So, yeah, I've not been. Uh, the consequences so far are small. So, yeah, they they do it on different occasions. Yeah. Right. And so, one thing, you know, adults always forget what it's like for them to be kids, right? I don't because I don't even remember, like, because it's a lifetime of experiences that taught me that it's better to say the truth sometimes, even when it looks bad on me, but. We can't give, of course, our children our lifetime of experiences. And then it's hard for us to condense into words or some simple language that they can understand that the long-term consequences of lying are that people will mistrust you and they'll no longer confide in you or you'll lose their respect or something like that. Because, of course, we're forced to interact with our children all the time, right? We, we cannot not associate with our children, which is, I think, the main weapon against people that lie in our life, we just choose not to associate with them. We can't do that with our children. Uh, the book says something different. The book says, for young children, it is natural to be straightforward. Older people should try to be like them. And that's true because one of my kids just yesterday um, insulted somebody to their face with something that's true, right? It, this wasn't the example, but a kid will say, meet somebody and say, wow, you're fat. You know, and yeah, yeah, okay, it's true. You're straightforward, right? But we don't insult people to their face. So 
uh, so I was trying to teach her that, hey, this is wrong, you know, uh, to do this. That's not what she said. She said something different. Um, but the book says older people should try to be like kids, that the deceitful approach puts uh, more misery in your life and straightforwardness brings you immense peace and success in every area. But OK, so now we're getting into a little bit more complicated, right? Sure, certain things are true, but that doesn't mean you should say them. And that certainly doesn't mean you should uh, hurt people's feelings when you say that. So let's think on that. If somebody, uh, okay, great. Question on that, because I was thinking the same thing because the kids are, are kind of the purest form, right? That right. One have. And that's what the book says. So what, how, how are they learning it? They're learning it somehow, right? Even at early age, at, uh, you know, we all experience, we have a six year old, eight year old, and even at early age, they start trying these things, and obviously, our challenge is to how to to, to teach them not to uh, not to, to to lie. So my my question is: so I mean, obviously, they're learning from around, right? I mean, whether it's school, whether it's house, whether it's us, uh, and is like, for example, just the thing you said about you know being you can't be that straightforward to some, you know. So is our own behavior or our society requirement causing that? Meaning, you know, we can't say somebody, you know, that you're fat, just that, you know, uh, fact or something else. I don't know. I don't have the example in mind right now, but is the way we behave, is there something else that we need to reflect on ourselves and make sure that, or, or figure out how they're learning it or where are they learning from? Um, so I disagree a little bit. That is, they they were not i think they just try different things out right they they first of all i think that kids just say whatever pops into their head they have a very limited filter right um and so when they learn not to lie it's a little bit more than something that pops in their head um and then when they receive negative consequences for example for insulting people even though it may be true it would be like you know wow you're short you know or wow something like that so when they receive those negative consequences then they start learning that. I, I don't necessarily think that they see us lie or us be super straightforward to people and learn that. But I do understand what you're trying to say, which has been kind of a recurring theme, is that is it something wrong in our society that's perhaps declining and the fact that children are picking up on that? Certainly, public discourse has been very much in decline. And the language around our public discourse and politics has become more and more vulgar over time. And, and you don't have to be, you know, super perceptive to figure that out. In the past, you know, if you're looking at a politician, he would be judged on his oratory skills and he would be judged on his speeches and words that he used and the nuance of the ideas that he presented. And then kind of a little bit after that, that was seen as bad. That was seen as oh, you're trying to think you're above certain people. And we, rever we revered the common touch in politicians. So we revered that they used the language that we use, that an ordinary person could relate to that. And now it's something totally different. Now our, the people in our public life are using very coarse and base language. So I do definitely agree with you there. Um, but I'm not sure that the kids pick up on that. Um, so uh, let's go to Satya or truthfulness. So now we're going to add a, something a little bit more complicated. Um, that is, truthfulness means only to speak a harmless truth. 
So for example, we don't insult people to their faces. Um, and it's a little bit more complicated because now we can't divorce facts from the surrounding context. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, what do the saints have to say? Let's see what the saints have to say about this concept of truth. Umasvati said that speaking what is not commendable is falsehood. Okay, so you see how that's different. We're not talking about facts. We're talking about if it's not commendable, then it's false, even if it's a fact, quote-unquote, true. So what did Pujapad say? He said that that which causes pain and suffering to a living being is not commendable, whether it refers to actual facts or not. That is, words that lead to injury constitute falsehood. So a fact might lead to injury, but that is not satya, and it is false. It's not true, it's false. Samantha Bhadra said that he who does not speak gross falsehood and does not cause others to speak, even if it is likely to bring danger to him, can be said to abstain from gross falsehood. So here's the, common, the most common example you'll see in all the books. If a hunter comes to you and says, which way did the deer go? And you say, and you know which way the deer went. And you say, I don't know. That is satya. That is the truth. Because if you told the hunter the truth, that is going to lead to greater himsa or violence. Okay? But, okay, so I think that everybody can understand that example. And it's an extreme example, as examples always are. But I want to update it. So I'm asking you, what's an update to the example that's in our modern life? That is, when should we either not speak or say something different from a fact that we know in order to avoid greater himsa down the road? Let's update the example. Please do it for me. For example, the book said, it is justified to hide the truth and remain silent to protect the life. But nobody's coming to my door and asking me, oh, where's so-and-so? I'm going to go kill him, right? Okay, so that's not the world we live in. That's not the world I live in. So how can we update the example to a world we live in? It, it needs to be... Not that extreme, like you said. Uh, if between us, between family, uh, we see the things around us, and obviously everything is not uh, pleasant. So time to time, we do say certain things that can hurt somebody around us. Even for the kids too, you know, two of my girls, they just come here and one wakes up early and makes noise and tell somebody else saying that uh, I made noise because she was on the phone, whether she was on the phone or not, I can't verify those things. But then that hurts somebody else if that person was truly not on the phone. So telling the, telling the truth and versus telling something that will protect somebody, I think they are, we, are, we, are, we are crossing very fine line on those things at times. Uh, up to how much extent you're trying to protect also matters. Uh, the example of deer, yeah, it's a matter of death and, uh, you know, life and death. But not everything is that extreme either, right? So, so example based on our daily lives is, is uh, anything that 
requires you to justify your position without harming somebody, without without uh, putting somebody under the bus, throwing somebody under the bus could equally be considered as part of this example. Okay, so great. Here's an office example. Your boss comes to you and said, this project is a mess. What happened here? And you have five people working under you. Are you going, to, and let's say it's true that person A out of the five people is the reason that the project is a failure. Can the example be updated to say, I don't know what happened here, when you know that person A is responsible and you know that person A would suffer possible firing or maybe some reprimand if you told the boss, your boss, that person A was responsible for this project's failure? I would say yes, I will tell that that's part of the business, that's part of the responsibility that that is the truth of your side. If you are responsible for the project to to do, uh, give the successful results and that per per particular person was truly the responsible person, then I don't think it should be, uh, you, you should not be hiding that fact. Okay, so you don't think this is the correct example, a correct modern interpretation of the Hunter example at all? Because if it were like the Hunter example, it would be more, it would be satya to say, I don't know what happened, boss, because you know person A is going to be fired, and that would cause greater hinsa in the whole situation. So you disagree with me that this is an, a modern take on the Hunter example? Uh, yes, I do disagree with that part. On, on that particular instance, yes, I do. How is it different? Uh, because every example we will come in the modern day, you will either have to justify, I wish to not say justify, if you truly know, and if you are responsible for that project, it should not come to your surprise who, what was the responsible reason, what, what reason why that project did not get uh, the results that everybody expected. So, if I have that, if I work with only that truth that, yeah, I don't know, the next project comes, he will say, I don't, I will say, I don't know. And it, it will continue like that. And that cannot be, as a responsible individual, that cannot be the approach to every situation that I can say, I don't know. Okay, so the key word you said there was responsible. And that's, this example differs from the Hunter example in two ways. One, it's that, okay, let's say this person is going to get fired, okay? That, it's not a matter of life and death. And two, you have some other responsibility in this situation. Whereas in the, in the hunter example, you don't have any responsibility to the hunter. Uh, so this example might be a little bit different, and that's why you're causing it. Okay, so let's say this guy was going to die. Okay, let's remove one. Okay, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess this example does, doesn't make sense if the guy's going to die. If your boss says, okay, who's responsible for this? I'm going to kill that person. Then I think we would all say, okay, yeah, that's a different story. Satya is, I'm not going to throw this guy under the bus because he's going to die. Absolutely. Right. So, so there's some confounding variables here, right? It's your, it's you have some responsibility because in this example, there's a work situation. And there's some, it's not a life and death situation, even though maybe perhaps hiring and uh, firing somebody is hinsa. So can anybody help me out here to eliminate these confounding variables and apply this hunter example to our modern life? Well, oh, first of all, does anybody disagree 
with Bavin in that they think that this example is a lot like the Hunter example and that you should not throw your the person A under the bus. And that is Satya if you say, I don't know, boss. And if not, if nobody thinks that, then how can we update this example? So this happens everyday life. Uh, and again, the example, what we shared, you know, I assume that I am the responsible person of the overall project and I have five person working under me. So that is a different example. Now, if I'm one of those peers, I'm one of those five people and not actually somebody working under me, then I may get away with that piece because then that, that, that is not my responsibility to actually identify. And I may not even have the truth at that time um, that who is responsible. You know, that person, boss could be coming to all five people and asking who is responsible for these things. In that case, I truly may not have the answers whether this person is responsible or not. Even though I may assume that, I probably will get away with that by saying I do not know. Okay, great update. So in the hunter example, you know which way the deer went. So for our example, let's say you're person B, one of the five people, and you know that it's person A's fault because the project got screwed up. And now your boss comes to you. Now there's only two levels, right? Your boss and the five people who are your peers. And your boss comes to you and says, hey, who screwed up this project? I got to fire this person. And you know it's person A. Do you think it's Satya to say, I don't know? That is, you're causing, preventing the greater hinsa that this person is going to get fired by saying, I don't know. By falsely saying, I don't know. And I put false in quotation right. because it's Satya, right? It's truthfulness. I would still go with the facts, showing them the the cause that project went to the whole, and uh, let him decide whether that's the fact or not. If if the truly the responsible person is A, will come out regardless what I say. He should not be relying only on one person's decision. Right. So let's stick on that. Let's move toward the four kinds of falsehoods and let's see if that are going to help us here. Number one, denying the existence of a thing with reference to its position, time, and nature when it actually exists. Number two, the assertion of the existence of a thing with reference to its position, time, and nature when it does not exist. Number three, where something is represented to be something different from what it actually is. And number four, when speech is ordinarily condemnable, sinful, and disagreeable. These are the four types of falsehoods we should try to avoid. And I think the first two have to do a lot with uh, gossip, right? When you don't know all the facts of the case and you assert something exists, or you do know certain facts and you think they don't exist. Here's another uh, way to think about it. Any speech actuated by passion is false. That is, if what you say is not well considered, then it's a falsehood. If you're speaking it out of anger or if you're speaking it out of some intense emotion, then it's false. Then it's a lie. It's not satya. 
Any disagreeable speech causing uneasiness, pain, hostility, grief, and anguish is not satya. And remember, even if true, even if they're facts, it's not satya. Okay, so we understand that the truth hurts. And if we say a hurtful truth, that is not satya. But here's an exception to it. Here's a little wrinkle to it. When a saint or preceptor gives sound advice against vices or questionable habits of life, he cannot be said to indulge in false speech, even though the person affected may feel ashamed or uncomfortable. So that's a little, so, I mean, we're in that position with our kids, right? Where we're in a position of authority or a position of moral, um, I forget the word, um, we're in a better moral position, that just like a saint is in a better moral position than us. So if we hurt our kids' feelings, which is normally not ad advisable because it's himsa, if we hurt them with the truth, then that's okay. Okay, and if a saint hurts us with the truth, if they say, if a saint says, Timur, you've got a gambling problem, you need to take care of this right away, and he knows my feelings are going to be hurt by it. And he knows he's causing himsa to me by it. That is not a falsehood. Divulging secrets, slander, backbiting, forgery, and perjury are obstacles of the truth. And one must use caution against exaggeration, fault-finding, and indecent speech. And always speak what is noble, beneficial, and concise. So we have a bunch of conflicting definitions, a bunch of conflicting words as to what is, first of all, what is deceit, what is straightforwardness, and what is satya, which seems to be something higher than straightforwardness, seems to be something a little more, uh, a, a little harder to, uh, a little harder to do. If the factual truth is beneficial, or at least not harmful to others, it is worthy of being called the truth. However, if the factual truth is harmful to it, others, it is not worthy of being regarded as the truth. So this, this hierarchy of people is very important, as Bhavan mentioned. If it's your boss, it's different than if it's your peers. And if it's the parent, it's different from if it's the child, the parent and the child. And if it's a saint, it's different from... Uh, one of his believers, okay? So that's important. This kind of hierarchy is important when judging what is true. And that's what I mean when I said at the top that we can't divorce this from the surrounding context. That is, we can't divorce the identity of the speaker, the identity of the listener, and just say such and such is true and such and such is false. All facts are true. All non-facts are false. We should avoid one and not avoid the other. So questions or comments on that? Okay, let's talk about five specific ways that we should avoid speaking falsehoods or avoid not telling the truth. Giving wrong advice about any matter and misleading peoples in matters or belief or conduct. False accusations. Disclosure of confidential information which one may have overheard or told. Slandering others or talking about the weakness of other people. That's an interesting one. That's one we haven't 
uh, kind of discussed, we shouldn't talk about the weakness of other people as it will damage the prestige of the people concerned. Divulging the secrets of others or breaking the promise of secrecy. Committing perjury or forgery. Committing breach of trust or misappropriation of what is entrusted to an individual in confidence. So a lot of these things are things that we would never do. Obviously, you're good people. Obviously, that you won't be making false accusations against people. But how is this applying in your life? That is, out of everything we talked about, what are the ways in our life that we're misleading people, that we're practicing falsehoods? I think this gossiping thing is kind of uh, uh, the most relevant, even though it's kind of benign compared to a matters of life and death. But matters of life and death, is not we're not really par par participating in those in our life. So this gossiping thing, um, I think we could all do some reflection on that. Um, I think that applies to us. And the social media thing we talked about earlier, that is presenting yourself in a false light. And this involves ego too, right? Presenting yourself in a false, better light than it actually is. Uh, I think that's the main way that this can be applied to our life. Because we always want to look good for other people, right? And we always want to, but we should remember that when we start deceiving people to look good, especially on social media, right? Then that's, I think, one of the ways that this can apply to our life. So questions or comments on that? I got a question on the hierarchy we just briefly touched. Yes. So based on the experience, what I have learned that even though the hierarchy exists, and I'm talking about family-wise, right? Right. I think uh, the age also matters too at some point. So for instance, the kid um, who was three years old and now who is 17 years old, Still, hierarchy did not change, but the approach to that kid definitely has to be changed um, based on the the parent-kid relationship. Um, so the same fact that you are going to talk to a three-year-old versus 17-year-old would be approached quite differently and has to be approached quite differently. So that's the one thing that just because it's a hierarchy may not simply work based on what we explained a little bit a few minutes ago. Does it make sure. sense? I, I yeah. think that's a very important point. And I think that, remember, our kids are going to be our peers. That hierarchy will not always be there. Sure, we'll always be their parents. But right. that doesn't mean that they're not going to be adults at the same time we're an adult, right? So definitely. Right. Yeah. And the second thing is the 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 best thing that not best thing. I mean, the, the thing that sticks more with kids is not just by our example, but showing them the consequences around us uh, when the things happen. So a, a great example of it is uh, I was showing uh, kids that uh, the social uh, you know dilemma we talked about a week or two ago. But besides that, I was showing uh, about the recent case, 2014 case, the Tehran uh, case, 2014-2015, uh, when Elizabeth Holmes from uh, California started the company. 
um she was she was pictured as the on the on the fortune magazine and she started this company 19 years when she was 19 and the whole history behind it she had a great vision vision on it she had a great uh, uh, inspiration motivation about it but the path she took at the end of the day was completely wrong um if if you show those type of example towards the to to the kids i think those type of examples stick with the kids more than we just talk about it personally in personal level right what a great example right of someone um this uh, leader of theranos who was able to lie to everybody and continue the lie for many many years but eventually those lies caught up with her and she right. suffered the consequences of her actions what a great example of people wanting to trust people and people doing uh, whatever they can to to lie to themselves to be able to trust somebody and it all right. comes crashing down in the end right so th those type of things when the kids look at it that those are some real life examples that go a long way uh, just because you are brave you are smart you are uh, you know about all doesn't mean that you can get away with the lies right and I think it's a great approach too. For example, at the dinner table, to talk about events, news events that are going on in the news, and apply Jainism to that, or apply, you know, what would you do in this situation if you were Elizabeth Holmes, or what would you do in this situation, or how would you react if you were this person? I think that's a great example of, of being able to teach because kids tune us out all the time, right? They if, some, if I, something happens to me, my kids really don't care about it. But if they see that, oh, something happens to this other person who's maybe closer to their age or closer to what or somebody they respect or something like that. And we talk about news articles that that reference that. And we say, hey, this is what I was talking about when I said that lying makes you lose long term. Lying can be beneficial in the short term, but in the long term it's extremely uh, not beneficial to your life. So questions or comments about anything we talked about today. Uh, I know this, uh, this week is going to be a short week because of uh, what we had going on. Um, so questions or comments about anything we discussed today. Okay, I want to say thank you so much for uh, coming on to this new platform. I know it's always difficult. We might lose some people um, that didn't get the message. Um, and so we, we will be on this platform for the rest of Dad's class. It should be the same code to get in. I'll resend the link each week just in case, but it's always going to be the same one. So you don't have to uh, try to figure out if I need to put in a new code or check the WhatsApp group for a new code each time. It's always going to be the same one. It's going to be the one that starts with uh, GAV. So that's one, one good thing. And let me know what you think about the new process. Um, send, me a, send me a text about that. Thank you, everybody, so much for your time this week. And I hope that um, we continue to learn and grow together. Thank you. Thank you, Tamir. Thank, Thank you, everyone. You. Thanks a lot.